Hello, and welcome to the Archimedes Podcast, the evidence-based bit of the Archives of Diseases of Childhood, where we go through the intricacies of putting evidence into your everyday child health practice by taking every one of those five steps, asking a question in a PICO format, acquiring information that's out there in the medical literature to try and answer it, appraising those studies, weighing them for their strengths and weaknesses, thinking about how to apply those in practice, and then perhaps actually reflecting on what we've done and assessing our performance in an educational and continuing professional developy type way. What Archimedes does is it draws together certainly the first four bits of that and every month our podcast reflects on some aspect of putting evidence-based medicine into practice in something we like to call a critical appraisal note. It has been a fairly constant reframe of Archimedes that we need to ask questions which are important to our patients. We need to do this because it's morally right, uh, because it's going to maximise the usefulness of the question and therefore our time. And it might mean that the suggestions that we then develop have a chance of being implemented by those who are affected. And so it's actually just more efficient for them as well. Now, to do this, we need the twin planks of patient-centric questioning that we are forming, but also patient-relevant outcomes being collected by the primary researchers. We can all work on asking the questions and making sure that we discuss with our patients and families the sorts of things that matter and then putting them into our PICOs, but, but how do we get the studies in the first place to actually collect that information and then report them? Well, advances in technology have absolutely helped here. On the carrot side, there are now a much wider range of well-studied, patient-reported outcome measures that give researchers something to validly pick up, use and ask people to fill in, along with really quite impressively increased translations of a, a wide variety of these patient-reported outcome measures so that people can use them in whatever language they're most comfortable with. The easier use of electronic submission over the web or other routes also speeds things up and makes things a bit easier for people to do. The other side, the stick to go with that carrot, is increasingly being supplied by the funders. The funders of Rickwatch are requiring and, and sometimes even paying for carefully constructed core outcome sets. Now, they're the ones that, that get together a, a group of academics, clinicians, often the people involved, that come up with what are the absolutely essential bits of information that, that people studying this condition must put in. Clearly those funding things, that, that stick approach, will take a few years to roll through from the funded study being done and then finally getting published. But, but in, in time, hopefully, we will see this wealth of interpretable, patient-relevant, meaningful outcomes within our studies. Before then, though, we will have to work with estimations, with guesses at what's there and what they mean, and we can carry on complaining that the things aren't there and what we're doing is taking the best guess with what we've got. 
Now our clinical question this time comes from Faris Khan, Lucy Chinnery and Jacob Loveridge at the University of Cambridge Medical School and the hospitals in that area. They are asking a really patient-directed question, arising from a 13-year-old boy who's seen in an orthopaedic clinic due to a growing angle of curvature of an idiopathic scoliosis. Uh, If you're into these sorts of things, the Cobb angle is 25 degrees. Now, his mum is concerned about the long-term effects of spinal surgery on his overall growth, and the boy is unwilling to use a brace because, frankly, it's very uncomfortable. He's physically active, he's mobile, and one thing that you're wondering is, is there some way of using physiotherapy to help and restructure and control the idiopathic scoliosis for a time longer? The sorts of things that you're interested in are absolutely the bendiness of the spine, but also things like minimising pain and limiting the impact of the condition upon mental health, schooling and things like that. The structured clinical question is, can physiotherapy alone, the intervention, reduce spinal curvature, the outcome, in patients with idiopathic scoliosis? And that's the patient or the condition. The group went away, they looked in the Cochrane Library, they looked in PubMed, they used the sort of broad meta-search engine of NHS evidence and came back with a whole range of hits, but then pulled up three systematic reviews that had looked at 30 primary studies. Now, when you've got this thing of systematic reviews and multiple systematic reviews, actually it's worth looking beyond the number of reviews you have into the the number of studies that are there. After all, we're not really into double counting because it sort of gives you the wrong sorts of impressions sometimes. Of the 30 studies, actually 28 of them are unique in the sense that they're only in one of those reviews and two are included across, across two of the reviews which is actually a relatively small proportion of the patient population, around about 9% or all. These systematic reviews that pulled together looked at, um, the the largest one was 15 different clinical trials, six of them being randomised, another one looking at seven randomised controlled trials, and another one a further seven. And they all looked at something slightly different. The primary outcome that's reported by nearly all of the primary trials and the systematic reviews is just the bendiness of the spine, the the Cobb angle, rather than the other elements of its quality of life or mental health aspects. And they used different sorts of um, physiotherapeutic intervention. You see, there's something called corrective-based exercise therapy. And they are a range of different approaches that look at the spinal flexibility, core strength, and a variety of things like that. And there are slightly different flavours of how the physiotherapy is delivered in what particular way. They all get delivered by a multidisciplinary team and they're all tailored to those adolescents that are having it done. There's no really massively strong evidence that they can be very different amongst themselves. And and using one of these more tailored approaches certainly seems to be more effective than just standard therapeutic types of advice. And they can, to some extent, reduce the need to prescribe braces with an overall sort of effect of reducing the angle of curvature by about two degrees, which is felt to be important, although heterogeneity 
which is a bugbear in many systematic reviews, is a problem in this one. And it's really very difficult to be able to tell exactly what is the best intervention at what time, for how long, and what the average effect will be. This really does pull beautifully together that idea of a patient-important question driven from a, a non-medical stance, but unfortunately, the way that the interventions and the way that they've been collected doesn't always give us the full information that we'd like to share and develop those ideas with our patients and their families. Where do you go from that next? Well, why don't you go out into your clinics and your wards and think, what is it that we do or don't do that I've actually got a question about? Take the opportunity to write it down and go through that evidence-based practice process. Fill in the template that's available off the website and use those instructions in order to see, could your work on developing and understanding a clinical question help other people in shortcutting, summarising and bringing together the evidence so that they too can get at the highlights of what you have pulled together for them? And it's not bad for your CV getting a publication on there either. Maybe your grandma in a few months' time will be listening to you having your article discussed on this very podcast. Until then, why don't you subscribe on one of our many channels, feedback on what you think about this, and share the podcast love with all of your friends and colleagues. Until next month, have a fun time.